I'm Denzel Mohammed. Welcome to Jobmakers. The United States is built on immigrants, all kinds of immigrants with all kinds of skills and experiences. And as divisive politicians would have us believe immigration is as an issue, Americans across the political spectrum agree, at least on this. High-skilled immigrants are good for the country, and we need more of them. For Dr. Adam Ozemek, formerly of Moody's Analytics and now Chief Economist at the Economic Innovation Group, a bipartisan public policy group in Washington, D.C., working toward a more dynamic and inclusive economy, not only is immigration economic development itself, but immigration policy is also innovation policy. The Economic Innovation Group's latest project bears this out. High-skilled immigrants boost job creation and innovation in ways that benefit all Americans. Adam says immigrants are revitalizing cities, experiencing population and economic decline, winning Nobel Prizes for the U.S., keeping us internationally competitive, and creating jobs at a higher-than-average clip. In fact, according to his group, immigrants are helping to solve some of the most difficult challenges we face as a nation, as you learn in this episode of JobMakers. Ozemek, Chief Economist at the Economic Innovation Group in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the JobMakers podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about the work that you all do uh, at the Economic Innovation Group. Well, we are a uh, bipartisan public policy think tank, and our core interest area is economic dynamism. And what we mean by that is think of it as like sort of the rate of change in the economy. You've got new business formation. uh, You've got entrepreneurship, uh, people uh, changing jobs, sort of that sort of, you know, population growth. We want to, we want an economy that's growing quickly and dynamic um, and competitive uh, and generating shared prosperity. And that's kind of our big picture. And that takes us into a variety of policy areas and, uh, you know, of most relevance right now is obviously uh, high-skill immigration is one of our policy areas. It's just it's an issue of first-order importance for economic dynamism, but we also do work on non-competes, uh, opportunity zones, uh, remote work, and uh, economic geography broadly. So you mentioned high-skilled immigration. Uh, what does immigration mean to the U.S. historically and today? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, it's a huge question, right? It's a, you can't really tell the history of the United States in any meaningful way without discussing immigration. There's, there's not a single topic of history, uh, nothing of importance essentially that's happened here that hasn't uh, in, involved immigrants uh, for a long time, uh, you know, and that obviously includes Native Americans who are uh, you know, in some sense, immigrants to this country as well. So it's a, it's a, a continent that's been defined or a country that's been defined by people moving here. And I think that uh, an, an easy way to look at it if, is to think about immigration as population growth. Immigration is skilled population growth. And skilled population growth is the fuel for economic growth, economic development, shared prosperity, and innovation. 
And this matters not just because the U.S. is any given country, but because the U.S. is the richest and most innovative country in the world. And uh, like the economist Garrett Jones likes to say, the U.S. is kind of the bell labs of the world. And, um, you know, we generate uh, an outsized proportion of global innovation, technological progress. And people come here to contribute to that. And they, they help move uh, the productivity frontier forward. Um, you know, I can, can give you some specific numbers to help uh, contextualize this. For example, you know, 33% of all U.S. Nobel Prize winners have been uh, immigrants. 18% um, uh, of global patent filers are in uh, the United States. Um, immigrants are inventors or co-inventors of 25% of all technologies developed in the United States. So it gives you a really important sense of, of how central immigrants have been and are to U.S. innovation. From Hollywood to denim jeans to vaccines, immigrants have informed all of this. And it's not a new story. It's, it's always been that way. Um, entrepreneurial immigrants have started businesses that become iconic American brands. Um, so you mentioned earlier that skilled immigration is one of your issue areas. Do you want to just sort of describe that a little bit? Yeah. So at a top level, I think it's important to, to make the case for why we think high skill immigration is sort of its own discrete issue. And I think the important story here is that, you know, immigration broadly is important and I'm supportive of immigration of all sorts. Uh, there's a variety of different types of immigration from, um, you know, refugees to uh, low skilled visas focused on areas where we have, um, you know, uh, sectors that depend on traditionally uh, lower skilled immigrants. Um, there's a lot of different types of immigration, but I think high-skill immigration is a very different type of policy than all of that. Because high-skill immigration is such a driver of innovation. It's such a driver of prosperity and entrepreneurship. And we don't have a lot of levers for innovation, for entrepreneurship, that are sort of known to work. We have things that we think probably can help you know we can spend more on public r d uh you know you could cut the corporate uh tax rate and maybe that'll help more companies grow um you know you can try to get more people to go to college you know, we have these different ways that we think probably affect innovation uh in some way but it's a really tough thing to to uh to move it's a really tough thing to have significant policy effects but the relationship between high-skilled immigration and innovation is so clear and undeniable. It's as simple as literally you just let in inventors, right? If you let in people who patent, you let in people who invent, you let in people who uh, create new businesses. It's such an obvious and clear policy lever for something that is otherwise very difficult to move and is of first-order importance for prosperity and growth. That sets it aside from uh, other types of immigration, which matter for a variety of reasons, from economic to humanitarian, but they aren't first-order movers of innovation. And that's why we should think of it as discreetly. And importantly, you know, I can sit here as an economist and make the economic argument for that all day long. Uh, it's sort of relevant unless in, in voters agree. If voters think that these issues are one and the same, then 
in practice, you're going to end up having to treat them as one of the same. But what we found in our survey work is that voters are extremely supportive of high-risk immigration across party lines in ways that just don't apply to immigration overall. Um, there are obviously very difficult immigration policy challenges from uh, the issues at the border to uh, what to do with dreamers and unauthorized immigrants. They're tough. They're tough challenges um, policy-wise. Even if you think you know what the right answer is there, there is a lot of opposition to basically anything. It's a very contentious issue. High-skill immigration just isn't like that. You have support for more high-skill immigration from Republicans, from Democrats, um, in really high numbers across the board. So politically and economically, I believe it is a separate issue, and we should think of it as a separate issue. I'm glad that you clarified that we need all sorts of immigrants, high-skilled and low-skilled, because uh, we need people to um, come up with the next great invention. We also need people to pick fruits and vegetables and, and things like that. Through the research at the Economic Innovation Group, what have you seen in terms of population decline in different parts of the country? And how does how do immigrants help address that at the local level? Yeah, so it's really important and often under-discussed issue, uh, the challenges of demographic decline. In the decade from 2011 to 2021, 70% of U.S. counties lost prime working age residents. Um, and prime working age means age 25 to 54, the people who are most likely to be working. You have falling labor force. Um, you have uh, falling population in a lot of places as well. And this is a sort of underappreciated negative uh, issue for local economies. There's a variety of ways that falling population and falling workforce generates spillovers uh, negative. You have a now, obviously, we're in a very tight housing market right now, um, but there are a lot of places where house prices had fallen, house prices weren't growing. You had um, a lot of blight. You know, houses go empty, they go vacant. Um, you have a lack of tax base, and then that means you don't have the money to keep up with basic infrastructure spending. Uh, schools cut back. Um, these are not the sort of things that decline in a very pleasant way. You know, schools don't just like costlessly shrink by 10%. They do things like, well, we don't offer art anymore. We don't offer music anymore. Um, you know, that's a really not great way. Uh, it's like a negative impacts on education. And, you know, you the, the obviously like the biggest example of all this, the most extreme example is Detroit. If you go to Detroit, you see neighborhoods that are just gone. Uh, there's a few houses left. The rest have been demolished. You have tons of vacancy, um, traffic lights that don't work. Um, you know, they really struggle to cover basic services, long wait times for ambulances, fire department, all this stuff. That's the most extreme example, but that's happening in, in smaller ways in a lot of places. Now, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I can tell you that all over this state, there are small towns that have seen declining population for a long time, especially working age population. And the negative spillover effects of a falling tax base on those places is massive. And it's not just the tax base also. It means fewer entrepreneurs as well. Because it, the, the, you know, maybe the worst part of this is that the people who are leaving these places are the most educated, the most skilled, the most entrepreneurial folks. And that means there's fewer people left to start businesses, fewer people to figure out what are the strengths and capacities of this area? How do I put people to work here? You know, you need entrepreneurship. Um, it's labor and capital doesn't just spontaneously come together. 
right? You need entrepreneurs to figure out how to put them together in productive ways. You need someone who's going to say, I see there's an empty warehouse in this town. And I see that we have a lot of, uh, you know, blue collar labor, and we have a lot of some sort of knowledge and expertise and figure out how to, how to put those things together to productive use when the way that they used to be put together didn't work anymore because it's something went out of business. The, the key to thriving and, and you know, succeeding in these places that lose major you know, industrial employers is not to prevent business closures, but to figure out new ways of, of putting people to work, of putting capital to work and finding new things to do and that, that are a better fit with the economy. And you need entrepreneurs for that. So when you're losing people and your tax base is falling, your schools aren't doing well, your entrepreneurs have left, the skill level of the population is falling. It's a very negative downward spiral that a lot of places are feeling acutely in the U.S. And places like Detroit are actually actively trying to get immigrants to move in. And a few episodes ago, I interviewed someone from Detroit uh, who... You know, they, they took empty lots, vacant lots, and turned them into micro-urban farms and created new businesses out of these things. And immigrants and the U.S. born are partnering and doing these things to help revitalize places like Detroit. Um, keeping it at the local level, your group did a national voter survey last year that found that, one, Americans are ambivalent about the national, national and local benefits of immigration, and two, that large shares of voters are either unaware or unsure of the economic effects, especially at the local level, which I find quite remarkable. You walk down any main street, you see, you know, the Chinese grocery store and the Thai restaurant and the taco stand. Um, our research partners at George Mason University's Institute for Immigration Research similarly found that when surveyed, Americans were far more likely to say immigration has a negative effect nationally, but not so much locally. I, what exactly is going on here? There's just some sort of dissonance here. Yeah, I think that one of the issues here is that uh, people tend to think of immigration as something that happens somewhere else. And, you know, they're consumers of news or stories or media that tell you about the problems that are happening somewhere else. And that really shapes people's opinions, the idea that something bad is helping outside of their view. And it's not something that um, they think about in their backyard. Another issue is when we're talking about high-skill immigration, it is highly concentrated. High-skill immigrants tend to cluster in uh, you know, the most expensive, most innovative, highest-cost parts of the country. You know, they tend to cluster in New York City, San Francisco, Seattle, uh, other superstar cities like that. Um, Where I so, am in, in, in Boston. <laughs> yeah, Boston, another great example. So a, a lot of the country uh, really doesn't get to benefit from high-skilled immigration. They don't get to experience the benefits. There are large parts of the country where the percent of the population of skilled immigrants is extremely low. Some people think that the U.S. economy, the most complex thing around, is a zero-sum game, like a pie. And an immigrant comes, takes a slice, that means that's one less job for an American. You're an economist. You know how complex this is. That's not how it works, right? Well, you know, if it was the case that... Um, uh, more people uh, didn't mean more jobs, then we would all be pretty doomed by population growth, right? Uh, it's interesting how people will selectively apply this argument um, because it applies equally to, to, to population growth, to new children. Um, and so like we, if there was a only certain amount of work to be done, 
then this would be a really, really poor country, given that we're um, many times larger than we were 100 years ago. But uh, economic growth happens, population growth happens, you know, and people are supply and demand. I don't just make things, I consume things. You don't just make things, you consume things. The same is true of immigrants as well. So we should, you know, in a lot of ways, you should really, the, the fixed pie view um, is not really accurate. The economy is constantly churning. Uh, there are always new jobs being created. There are always job separations being created. And the idea that you're going to freeze everything in time, um, everyone who currently has the job that they currently have must keep that job. Every business that currently exists much, must continue to exist. It's not, it's not the way that it works. And population growth, especially skilled population growth, is an ingredient for prosperity and, and more of that positive churn. And the fact is, the data... Uh, shows that immigrants are highly entrepreneurial, that they are job creators, and that they help revitalize the, the economy. If our population were to just stagnate, uh, we really won't experience any growth. Um, your organization says that immigration is economic development. And in a project you just launched, you, you proclaim that immigration policy is innovation policy. Uh, we link to this project in the description. Uh, what do you hope to show via this project, and how does this project get your key messages across? What's different about it? So the first thing is to really reframe immigration and to reframe high skill immigration. It's sort of similar to the way that I discussed before. Like we 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 need innovation and we need entrepreneurship. These are extremely important things, not just for GDP growth, but broad prosperity and for overall improvements in uh, human welfare over time. And immigration is an extremely important component of that. And so you know, this project is about not just like looking at some of the statistics and data that support that, but um, you know, if you share that link, you can see the profiles of some of these immigrants uh, who come to the U.S. who have founded companies and done really important things uh, and showing how specifically, um, you know, on a, a case study basis, how this contribution works. And, you know, these businesses that are started are the kind of thing that's really missing when you focus on, uh, you know, a zero-sum game, thinking of the economy as a as a as being a fixed size. That's really not the case. Finally, I want to emphasize that we're talking about not just numbers and dollar signs here. We're talking about people. Immigrants are people. They lead lives just like the rest of us. Um, but they come here with not just the ideas, but they bring whole cultures and traditions and cuisines and ways of doing things. And that has inevitably shaped American life. I think it's something we all take for granted, that we have access to every possible kind of cuisine in this country. Like that, that's pretty huge. Um, in what way would you say immigrants have shaped American life? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, there's a cultural angle to it and there's an economic angle to it. Um, you know, when a community uh, has more immigrants there, they tend to produce uh, different kinds of goods and services, and that brings variety and choice. And um, these are things that don't actually get captured in economic statistics and economic growth, GDP growth. You don't really get the importance of variety, but variety is really important. 
um, and lots of different kinds. It's not just about variety of consumer choices, but there's also evidence that um, immigrants uh, help increase local exports uh, due to their connections to their home country. So it's it's not just very variety in what they produce, but it's a variety in what they know, what they know about the world and the skills that they have and the talents that they have. And, and that kind of variation is just an important ingredient to um, growth and flourishing. Lastly, if you were to very succinctly, like what would you say to help move the needle when it comes to better immigration policy, more welcoming policy? Like how, how would you convince politicians or the American public? What's the key message there? The great news here is the American public is convinced, right? And that's what I would tell politicians. I would tell them people are supportive of more high-skill immigration. Um, you know, I like to be out there every day trying to tell people how important immigrants are to the economy and to prosperity. And that's what we're trying to do. But at the end of the day, there's enough. There is enough support now for politicians to act. Uh, and they just need to take a hard look at how popular this this topic really is in both parties. It's in our self-interest, it's in the immigrants' self-interest, it's a win-win. And I'm glad you point that out, that the American public knows this, and politicians need to be reminded of that. Uh, Adam Ozemek, Chief Economist at the Economic Innovation Group in Washington, D.C., thank you so much for joining us on the JobMakers podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. JobMakers is a podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center in Malden, Massachusetts, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Thank you for joining us for this episode's deep dive into the many ways high-skilled immigrants boost innovation and job creation to the benefit of all of us. If you know an outstanding business owner who is foreign-born that we should talk to, email Denzil, that's D-N-Z-I-L at jobmakerspodcast.org. I'm Denzel Mohammed. See you next time for another episode of Jobmakers.